The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 48 Christmas 1882 December 25th Denver, Colorado Penthesilia and Paris rode together in a buggy Paris hired from the livery stable. Pony was not used to being yoked in this way, so Paris had borrowed one of the stable owner's horses as well. She had promised Penthesilia she would attend church on Christmas. She wondered if that made her a creaster. She imagined she'd have to find out later when Easter came around. Paris had been sure to launder her clothes, but finding the pants she had with her were becoming threadbare, she purchased a new pair and was wearing them now. Earlier, as they were getting ready, Penthesilia asked, Don't you own a dress? I have one. It's in my dresser back home. It's not going to do me much good out here, though. I could lend you one of mine. That's sweet of you. But you're taller than me, and there's no time to have it taken in. I would step all over the hem and probably fall flat on my face. You bought a new pair of slacks. Is that a question? Well, if you bought new clothes for church, why didn't you just buy a dress? Uh, all right, Paris said, shaking her head a little. I don't like them. They're restrictive and difficult to move in. I don't feel comfortable in them. I never have. I have one. Just one. My parents bought it for me. They felt guilty that they never gave me the option, but I knew that if I wanted a dress, I could have asked for one. But why dress like a man all the time? Why not? Men do it, and no one seems to care. What's so strange if I join them? Sometimes I feel like if I give in to this, they'll take everything away from me. If I don't dress like a man, they won't let me fight like a man. They won't let me carry my guns, earn my own money. I would be expected to stay at home and clean the house, do the laundry. I wouldn't be allowed to ride out into the pasture among the cattle. I couldn't spend my days off with my rifle, hunting in the woods beyond the homesteads. Pollyanna called me a coyote. She said I love my freedom. I wear men's clothes to tell them from the moment they see me, I can play their games, and most of the time, I'm going to win. That's a lot for one garment to say. The clothes you wear tell people how to treat you. Just ask Naomi. <laughs> I want people to know right up front, don't mess with me. <laughs> How's that been working out for you? Not very well. They never seem to listen. <laughs> <laughs> they both laughed. If you didn't want people to mess with you, why not just try and blend in? I really think you should have bought a dress for church. I'll be fine. Nobody really cares what I wear. Do they? Paris asked her. The church was a large building. Denver was a big city, and the majority of people did their best to attend on Sunday morning. Paris let Penthesilia off in the front and then took the carriage around the side to tie up the horse and buggy. She wasn't wearing her guns, but after Thomas, she decided she shouldn't be unarmed. So in her boots, she had two small revolvers she picked up from the gunsmith when she bought her pants. She realized that she would need to make custom pockets on the inside of her boots next time she tried this, as the guns sat uncomfortably against her ankles. 
The church bell was ringing, and the other parishioners were walking up the steps and into the building. Penthesilia was waiting for Paris, and the minister was standing at the top of the steps, before the door, greeting each person as they came in. He was dressed in a sharp black suit. He was a Baptist minister, so he didn't wear a white collar like a Catholic priest, but somehow his suit still seemed reminiscent of the long-held tradition. The minister would cycle through three sayings as he shook the hands of the men and tipped his hat for the women. Welcome. Come on in. Good to see you. Pastor Montgomery, I hope you're well, Penthesilia said as she passed him. Welcome, he said as he tipped his hat to her. But when he saw Paris coming up behind her, he stepped in front and stopped her. Annabelle. It's not Annabelle. It's just Anna, Paris replied. Why are you here? Church? You're not welcomed. The minister's chest puffed out a little as he said this. I thought this was the house of God. Doesn't he get to decide who comes in and who doesn't? You have come here to sow discord and disrespect. It's my job as the shepherd of this flock to protect it from the wolves. I'm not a wolf. I'm a coyote. Paris almost laughed. You're a snake in my garden. You have come back to Denver to teach your sinful ways. You will not do that here. What have I done to disrespect you this time? To begin with, you're not wearing a dress. You're not wearing a dress? Deuteronomy 22.5 The women shall not wear that which pertaineth to a man. You looked it up this time. So did I. Deuteronomy 22.12 Thou shalt make the fringes on the four corners of thy vesture. Paris looked the minister over and then said, I'm not exactly sure where the corners around your garment are supposed to be, but since you don't have any fringes on your coat, I'm going to assume you decided not to comply with that particular directive. Seems unfair that you can pick and choose which passages you want to follow and which passages you want to throw around at other people. Besides, the men who wrote that wore robes and had long hair. Whiskey girl? What's going on out here? Penthesilia returned from inside the church to find out why Paris had not yet come in. Behind her stood Elone, Mary, and Felicia. I can't come in. Apparently, I'm not dressed properly. Oh, God, I told you that would come up. Come on, Pastor. The whiskey girl doesn't mean any harm, Penthesilia added. The whiskey girl, as you call her, harms everyone she knows. Don't any of you see this? She is the dark example of every sin and vice. Sexual deviance, drunkenness, blasphemous, willful, and prideful. She has come here to teach those ways to others. How can you say she does no harm? She has already destroyed one marriage. What will she do next? She didn't destroy my marriage, Eloni said as she walked past the minister to stand next to Paris. Thomas did that. He pushed me and he pushed me until one day I had to push back. That was me, not her. And if she taught me how to push back, then I think God should bless her for that. Eloni said, standing on the steps next to Paris, below the minister with her chin up. Mary moved up to stand next to her. 
Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as unto the Lord. The minister said proudly. Yes, it says that. But that's not the end of the chapter. You have to read to the bottom. Felicia commented as she stepped around the minister to stand on the other side of Paris. Felicia was a schoolteacher, and she had been taking Paris's class since the second day. Normally she was quiet, and loved to watch and listen to the stories of the other girls' dramas. She never really commented before. She took her glasses and pushed them up on her nose. With a practiced speed, she flipped her Bible to the passage and read, Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. Felicia closed her Bible and looked up at the minister. After the chapter says that a wife should submit, it goes on and on about how a husband needs to be loving. It's a trade, submission for love and devotion. But true love and devotion are a type of submission of their own. If done right, husband and wife become equals. We all know Thomas, how he speaks about Elone, how he spends his nights out cheating on her. He broke that promise first. Sorry, Elone. Felicia said, looking at Elone. It's okay, I know, Elone replied. Pastor Montgomery, surely we could have the sermon inside. It's Christmas, and we want to hear about the baby and the star. Maybe we could go over the part with the shepherds. <laughs> That's my favorite. Penthesilia asked, standing by the door behind the minister. He turned around to look at her. Celia, you are the most guilty. It was you that allowed this devil into our lives. You sheltered her. You gave her a temple of her own. And together you have raised a new Sodom and Gomorrah in that bar of yours. This is your fault. Me? Yes, you. All you saw was the gold. Lured in by greed, you sold your soul for another dollar. Fuck you. It's not greed. It's not about money. It's about my life. You want us to be silent, passive little housewives, and you leave no other path for us. What if our husbands are jackasses? What if we have no husband? What if we don't want one? Then the world holds nothing for us? Yes, I count every dollar, because every dollar is one more piece of my independence. It's one more day I can live without men. I don't want to rely on you. I don't want to rely on William or the sheriff or any of you. And because of that, I'm guilty? Guilty of what, exactly? Trying to live? God gave me this life. He gave it to me. Do you hear me? Me! It's mine! And I will fight for it! It's worth fighting for! Penthesilia yelled. I will not be your slave! Girls, we're leaving! Penthesilia pushed the minister up against the handrail as she marched past him. She was followed by Naomi, Thalia, Cassandra, Cynthia, and Candace. Annabelle, the minister called to Paris as she walked away. I knew this is what you would become. You were raised by godless homosexuals and cross-dressers, and now you are a disrespectful heathen and a drunk. You are the enemy of every decent citizen in this city. You are an abomination in the eyes of the Lord. The minister yelled. 
Paris turned around and walked back to him, stepping up the stairs, her fists clenched. The minister stepped back in fear. Not this time. I'm not going to hit you this time. I'm not the girl I was five years ago. I know who I am now, and I don't care what you think of me anymore. Do you want to know what became of me? I fell in love. There is a girl back home, and she left me. But when we were together, I knew what it meant to care for someone and be cared for in return. I knew the joy of having someone waiting for me. How every thought would lead back to that moment where I saw her again. I knew what it was to love, and I learned what it meant to be loved. Do you think I'm an abomination because I know love? Then I will confess right now. I love Celia. I love Alone. I love every girl who comes into that bar and asks for my help. I will not deny them, and I will not turn them away because you think that knowledge can be evil. Knowledge is never evil. Knowledge is a tool. It's a person that's evil. It's how they use that knowledge, and whether they use it to help people or to imprison them. You read the Bible like I did. How did you use it? Do you use your knowledge to help your parishioners understand that they are loved, that they can feel love and express it to their friends, to their family, to the people that mean the most to them, no matter who they are? Or do you use it to imprison them, always telling them what they can't do, the sacrifices they need to make, and how to follow and bow to you and you alone? That is godless pride. You have nothing but the devil in you. Do you want to know what's in me? All my life I have heard a still, small voice in my head. It speaks with the voice of my father or my mother. It tells me to keep going when I want to stop. It tells me to keep fighting when I want to surrender. And it encourages me to stay calm and act in love when I want to lash out in hate. I don't always listen to it, and many times I fail. But that voice is always there for me. It always tells me to try again. I believe in God. God is with me everywhere I go. That is what is in me. If God is in that building you won't let me enter, it's because you brought them with you. But what did you bring? Rejection? Hate? Fear? If you think your God wants me to hate myself and always consider myself evil and unworthy, then the question I have is, are you really serving God? Who are you to question God? I'm the accused. I'm the one who has to stand on trial when this is all done. I'm the one who has to answer for my actions or face eternal damnation. God is exempt from that fate, but not me. So, of course, I question. I am given no lawyer. I am offered no advocate. I must question, because no one is going to ask those questions for me. And besides, I'm not questioning God. I'm questioning you. There are two opposing ideas in this world, and they fight constantly. They are love and hate. They are your God and your devil. And here I stand, offering love, acceptance, and knowledge to any who need it. And there you stand, demanding submission and ignorance, offering nothing but condemnation. 
So the question is, in the end, which one of us serves who? Goodbye, Minister. You don't have to worry. I won't return to this church. I can see I'm not welcomed. Paris turned and walked away. Women are sinful, and their only path to salvation is through service to their husbands. The minister yelled after Paris, but she didn't answer. Penthesilia hooked her arm in Paris's, and they left together. The minister looked into the church. There were other wives who were pulling their husbands up from the pews. The looks on their faces were an obvious demand that they leave, and their husbands knew they better not argue. Whether they agreed with the minister or not, they had to live with their wives. Paris and Penthesilia rode back to the Amazon. Paris was afraid to say anything. She felt guilty for getting everyone kicked out. But in the silence, she could feel Penthesilia staring at her. Finally, Penthesilia asked, Annabelle? It's not Annabelle. It's just Anna, answered Paris. Why would he call you Annabelle? My middle name is Belle. My father often calls me Anna, comma, Belle. But I don't like it when anyone else does it. That makes you... I know, Annabelle Lee. Aren't you a little... Far from the sea? Yeah, <laughs> I've heard it. All right. I'll stop calling you Whiskey Girl if I can call you Annabelle. You could just call me Anna. Not a chance, Whiskey Girl. Mary and Alone had invited them for Christmas dinner, and Penthesilia had stopped by the Amazon to pick up a gift for the couple. She had saved a case of wine for special occasions, and she took a few of the bottles for Ilone. She also brought a box already wrapped. When Paris asked what was in it, she said, Your Christmas present. You can open it later. The farmhouse was warm inside. Cynthia and Cassandra had already arrived. Felicia and Candace were on their way. Naomi and Thalia were forced to decline. They had promised to work tonight at the brothel. Everyone showed up early. They had expected to meet up after service, but that was no longer a concern. What am I going to do with all the extra time? Should I open the bar on Sundays from now on? Penthesilia asked. You should honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, Cynthia answered. Also, I need my Sundays off. The Sabbath is Friday night and Saturday until the first star can be seen at sunset. The bar is always open on the Sabbath. And that's your biggest night and busiest day, said Paris. Wait, it's not on Sunday? asked Cassandra. No, Felicia responded. Says who? Penthesilia asked. I don't know. God? Jewish people? Whoever wrote the first part of the Bible, I suppose, Felicia answered. I think it was Moses, said Paris. Wait, they won't let you wear pants to church, while at the same time they can't get the first commandment right? Asked Cassandra. It's the third commandment, but yeah, that's about the size of it, Paris replied. If you never go to church, how do you know all these things? I never said I don't go to church. I said I don't go to church here in Denver. Back home, the minister is fine with who I am. He accepts everyone for who they are, and he teaches us about the love of God. The entire family attends church every Sunday. Hell, I think we're half the congregation. He doesn't care if my parents are both men. 
He doesn't care about the sheriff and Henry. Besides, if he was to attempt to get all fire and brimstone on whether or not it's a sin to accept people who you love for who they are, his boyfriend would probably have something to say about that. Paris explained. That sounds like a paradise, Alone commented. It is, Paris replied. Why did you ever leave? asked Mary. I wanted to give my brother time to... Well, he just needed some time without me in his way. Do we have anything to drink? Oh, yeah, uh, wait! Penthesilia retrieved Paris's present from the table by the door she had left it on. Merry Christmas! Go ahead, open it, she said. Paris unwrapped the box. To find set neatly inside, surrounded by butcher paper, was a bottle of whiskey. Just what I wanted. How did you know? I have a talent for picking up on the subtle clues. Now, you can drink all of that at once if you want. That one's for you. But if you're planning to pass out on me, could you at least do me the favor of waiting till we get back into the bar? Penthesilia instructed. If she passes out, we have a spare room we can put her in. You're both welcome to stay, Alone offered. That won't be necessary. I can handle my whiskey. Paris protested. All of the other girls laughed. All right, all right. Just one glass for now. I'll save the rest for later. On their way back to Penthesilia's apartment above the Amazon, Paris stopped at the stable so she could return the cart and horse. Penthesilia waited for her as she spoke to the stable owner. Whiskey girl, I'm going to go ahead across the street, okay? Penthesilia called out. Just hold on a second, answered Paris. Why? I haven't given you your Christmas present yet. You got me a present? Yeah, come on, it's over here. Oh, God, it better not be a horse, please. I don't need a horse right now. It's not a horse, Paris said as she walked into Pony's stall. Pony shuffled her feet nervously at the presence of Penthesilia. It's okay, girl. This is my friend Celia. You remember Celia? Paris calmed the horse as Penthesilia stepped in to pet her. Hey, girl, who's the biggest pony in the world? You are. Yes, you are. Over here. Come over here. Paris called, leading her to the back of the stall. Covered by a sheet of burlap was what seemed like a large wooden plank. Are you ready? asked Paris. Go ahead, I'm getting cold. What is it? Penthesilia demanded impatiently. Paris removed the burlap, and though it was sitting on its side, with the cloth removed, she could see it was a sign. Carved wooden letters, painted purple and gray. It read, The Amazon. It's a new sign! Yeah, I had it made for you. Do you like it? Paris asked. Penthesilia hugged her and kissed her on the cheek. Like it? I love it! I absolutely love it! Can we put it up? <laughs> we we may have to wait till spring, when the wood isn't as frozen, but we'll put it up as soon as possible. Oh, yeah. Thank you! Thank you, Whiskey Girl! Thank you! Come on, let's go home! The minister counted his money. Christmas was always his best day. The collection plate always came back full, and only once every five or six years did Christmas fall on a Sunday. It usually meant the biggest collection he would have for years to come. But this year, because of that girl, it was only a fraction of what he expected. It would be enough for his Christmas present, he assured himself. He stepped up to the red door and turned the handle. 
Walking inside the brothel, he immediately noticed something was wrong. It was quieter than it should be. None of the girls were in the lounge. Just Aphrodite and Naomi standing at the entrance. You're not welcome here anymore, said Aphrodite. My money's as good as any man's. What does a prostitute care? This is my temple. Go back to your own. What blasphemy is this? Be careful who you speak to. Blasphemy comes in many colors. What have I done to anger you? There was no place in your temple for my champion. There is no longer any place in my temple for you. Leave here. No priestess of mine will ever take money from you again. Nor will they give you any of their time. You have desecrated my blessings. So I will remove them from you. Love will never return for you. Fine. There are plenty of whores ready to take my money, the minister said, but Aphrodite just pointed to the door and told him, No, there isn't. Not for you. Never again. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee. Artwork by Helen Lee. Performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead. Except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.